Your website is the front door of your business, but the way teams build and optimize is broken. Stuck between inflexible templates and cumbersome codependent solutions, there's a better, faster way. Enter Webflow, a visual-first platform that empowers you to create freely. Now you can ship web pages in weeks instead of months and save millions in development costs. These are the real results for companies like Orange Theory, Dropbox, and IDEO. Get started today at webflow.com. Webflow, more than a website builder. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have a very special treat for you. I am sitting here in the Adweek studios with two incredible ladies who actually co-lead the entire Adweek editorial team. So Stephanie Patrick, Lisa Granitstein, hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Thanks for having us. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, this is so fun. I'm looking at both of you. I'm trying really hard not to laugh because I was <laughs> was thinking about this with you guys and I thought, wow, how cool would this be? You know, since the three of us spend so much time talking about trends and what's hot, what's coming, you know, the events we put on, the wonderful people we've met, how cool would it be just to have a chat with you both and, and hear from you what you're thinking about for 2020 and and also looking back, kind of what your favorite moments were over the last year. <laughs> you're making me laugh already. I love no, that. No, no, it's just funny because we all work together every day, and now we're sitting across from each other with headphones on and microphones. This I'm excited to do it. This is yeah. very formal. Let's get into okay. it. <laughs> all right. I love it. All right. Let's dig in for sure. Well, then let's start with you, Steph. So tell us a little bit about your role and why you decided to take that on. And I'm going to come back and ask you about your superpower. Sure. Okay. So I'm executive editor. And as you said, I co-lead the editorial department with Lisa Granitstein. So I, I stepped into this role just this summer, at the beginning of the summer. Previously, I was managing editor. And so for probably the last three years, I've I've managed the editorial team. Um, I've really focused on our staff. So, you know, recruiting and, and managing our leaders and our reporters, running our day-to-day coverage. And more recently, I've kind of stepped out and I'm speaking more on behalf of the publication and taking on a bit of more of an outward-facing role, which is something I'm excited to do. Okay, so I'm going to dig into that. But before... We do that. I'm going to go over to Lisa. But even before that, your superpower. I warned you. Uh I was going to ask you about this. Tell us what your superpower is. Superpower. So mine is probably that I'm a listener. And I'm empathetic. And the joke around here is I'm like the the staff counselor. But but truly, my father is actually a therapist. Um, and I, I think with most superpowers, you know, they can either be your biggest strength or your biggest weakness. And earlier in my career, a lot of feedback I got was, you're too nice. You're too nice, you know. <laughs> but I've actually learned to use that to my advantage as a leader. I think there are so many different types of leaders. And you don't always have to be the mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't always have to be the mean, harsh leader. I think listening really has helped me build a team, build consensus, build community within our staff. And it's just important to know when to sort of stop listening and go with your gut, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I can I can attest. I see that all the time. So there's a lot in there, but let's turn to Lisa for a second. Lisa, 
tell us what your role is here at Adweek. Okay, so I'm the editor SVP of programming, and that means I oversee our print publication, uh, our honors and awards, as well as programming our events and moderating and outward facing too. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've moderated a lot of events this year. So let's, I want to come back and ask you about that. But tell me, why did you decide to take this role? And now we're going back a little ways, right? Oh, we're going way back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I've I've been here eight years. But before that, um, I was at Media Week for a long time as well, for 10 years, which was one of the three brands of Adweek's portfolio. Yeah, I've seen a lot over the last couple of decades, and uh, happy to talk about that a bit later. Um, but uh, where are we going? What would, you, what would you like to know? I want to know what your superpower is, Oh, too. my superpower. I would say it's getting shit done. A hundred percent. I like to move fast and move everything off and out the door. So it's processing a lot of things and getting them done which I think is a great compliment to uh, Steph's more zen approach. And I'm not saying it's slow. It's more zen. I always joke that we're like fire and ice, right? No, truly. I mean, this is why we're perfect co-leads, because we have almost opposite superpowers. It's like I will deliberate. I will collect as much information as I can, and Lisa will move. And so I think we've we've kind of met in the middle. Yeah, We balance each other out, yeah. right? And we dress alike. A lot I often. So, yeah, we're like twinning today. today. Yeah. Twinning. <laughs> no, I heard a rumor about a twinning board. What's that about? Oh yeah, we have we have a board in in the newsroom called Twincidences, <laughs> and whenever you happen to show up in the same outfit as a colleague, uh, you get your photo taken. It goes up on the Twincidence board. And Lisa and I, it's it's whenever we have like a big meeting mm-hmm. or an event. Today, it's the yeah. podcast. We always show show up looking like you know we're fifth graders who coordinated our outfit. <laughs> I love that. Well, you do both look very lovely. I will say that I saw you both. I'm like, wow, dressing up for CMO moves. All right. Yeah, Yeah, very cool. All right. So, oh my gosh, I have so much to ask you guys about. I'm going to come back to you, though, Lisa, first before we go into what's coming next, because you've been here for a while and, and you and I had an interesting conversation now. I think it was back in August. It was over wine, so it's always okay. interesting. And you were talking about how media has changed so much since you've been in it. What are some of your observations? Wow. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of changes, and it and it goes for all businesses, but just how rapidly everything moves now and, and changes. And I think a big thing, at least for media, it's about relationships. When I was a reporter, there was much more time to go out and have meaningful conversations with your sources, building those important relationships and and trust so that not just you could get stories, but you could understand the business. And from a reporting side, I feel like there's a lot less time for our reporters to do that. They have to juggle a lot more and cover a lot more. So Mm -hmm. I'd say just the speed and the pace of changes change a lot. And I want to come back and ask you, too, because we just had a historical moment where you put out the Adweek 40th year Mm -hmm. print edition. So let's hold that for a second because I want to ask Stephanie. So you, just in the last year, too, have made substantial changes to the editorial team and the way that you're structured. 
What are some of the driving changes over the last year that have caused you to do that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, over the last two years, we really staffed up in a couple of areas. One was our video team. So we doubled the size of our video editors, essentially. And that has allowed us to be much more of a multimedia company. And and after doing that, we actually won a Folio Award for um, Best Multimedia Storytelling, which is something I'm really proud of. So I think we've become a much more um, visual newsroom. And even you and I have launched some video series, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that we're telling stories has changed um, for the better, I think. And the other area we staffed up in was reporters with tech knowledge. So we had, a couple years ago, we had three tech reporters, and we staffed up to, I think, 10. Um, So that's allowed us to really specialize. Instead of covering the surface of everything, um, we now have one reporter who is solely focused on covering D2C brands, another solely focused on Amazon, someone focused on CPG, someone focused on platforms like Facebook, uh, someone focused on experiential marketing. I could go on, but we've really specialized. And our overall mission over the last year or so, um, whether it's with our stories or our events, is insights. We want to get deeper and deeper and make sure that we're giving people information that they actually need. Uh, We want to be necessary. I love that. Okay. So with all of those new categories, going back to you, Lisa, what you were talking about earlier, like how everything has changed, if you think about the issue you just put out on the 40th year where you looked at all the decades, what are uh-huh. some of the stories that really stood out to you? Be like, wow, I can't believe we did that then, but now look at where we are now. Well, I mean, we, we broke down the decades and just seeing how all the businesses have morphed over time and, and overlapped with each other. Um, agencies are now doing branded content, so they're in the media space. They're also trying to work more closely on the client side and become much more integrated in all aspects of planning, more so than in the past. And on the, on the media side, they're becoming consultants. They're having their own agencies. Uh, brands are doing in-housing. So there's a lot of overlap and mixing and matching that's going on That that is new mm-hmm. that we're seeing. So with that, I mean, how many issues of Adweek did you put out over the last year? Uh, I believe it was 36. 36 in print. And you've had a number of really big ones, including Agency of the Year. And, well, gosh, you've had a number of awards. At Adweek, the Adweek 50. 50. Yeah. Um, one of our biggest ones was our Brand Visionary Award, our Brand Genius Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought in Chrissy Teigen which was a surprise to some. But once she showed up at our event, I think a lot of people realized what a a special person she is, both in terms of being a brand, in terms of being a media icon at this point. We had a lot of fun with her putting the package together, but also hosting her at our event and doing a fireside. Yeah, I remember what was the the horns that went off when you announced her. Right. The, the, oh my God, those yeah, are amazing. She, she she had her husband was there, John Legend, um, and they had a whole posse. And at one point, they made a request uh, of our events team that they needed some horns, air <laughs> so, horns. And so we supplied them, and uh, and they when she came on stage, they they yeah. went they went wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really exciting, really fun stuff. So and and I'm glad you did pick her because that was a really unique choice. If you think about 
what it was about her that made you go, yes, that's the choice. What was it? Well, she's really become a presence on Twitter. As she, she's the, you know, the mayor of Twitter, as she's called. And she's very outspoken, but she also about different issues. But she's also become an endorser of many brands and does very well at selling them, as well as her own brands, whether it's cookbooks, cookware, or she just launched a, a site, uh, a lifestyle cooking site. She's really trying to break out. And I'm sure we're going to see much more of her and John Legend uh, working together and as they have been with Amazon, with Alexa. Mm-hmm. last year and they they themselves are going to become a brand. So I think th- she's done quite a bit but I think there's much more to come. Hmm. That's worth keeping an eye on. Cool, cool. And Steph, how about you? I mean, you've had so much coverage. What are some standout moments for you in the last year? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll say on the the celebrity side, during Brand Week, um, our Brand Week quarterly print edition featured Swizz Beats, mm-hmm. also known as Cassine Deem. And he is uh, Alicia Keys' husband. Uh, he's, a, I think, one of the most prolific music producers of our generation. And he went back to school at the height of his music fame, went to Harvard's program and studied uh, executive management and from there launched a business uh, called No Commission. And his whole mission is basically to try to help artists make a living off of their art. Uh, he said that he saw so often the middleman collecting the money <laughs> between you know the, the customer and the artist. And so he started this, this kind of amazing thing. And he and Alicia recently, just this year, purchased this huge property in upstate New York that they're planning to turn into basically a business school for artists, along with a gallery and a music studio and things like that. So anyway, he invited me to his home in California, which was an incredible experience. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous space. And it's like a gallery. He has amazing artwork on his walls. So we got to shoot him with his art. And he, he gave us a ton of time. Um, and is just such a genuine person. And I think that's a common denominator, too, with someone like him and someone like Chrissy Teigen. It's like they're so authentic. And I think that's a word that has been thrown around a lot this year. And it's one of those things where you sort of know it when you see it. And everyone's like, what? You know, how you know, how do I emulate that? You know, so anyway, that that was that was a really fun moment. Uh, and he he joined us at Brand Week as well. Another is actually I, I had a fireside chat at Brand Week with Allegro O'Hare, uh, the CMO of Gap. And she's just so inspirational to me. She talked a lot um, about her journey as a woman in leadership and in her previous role uh, being the only female board member uh, at Adidas and just what that was like to constantly be the only woman in the room and at the table. And I certainly have had those experiences. I identified with it. And this was at a Women Trailblazers breakfast where I think everyone in the room could really connect with her experience. And she just talked about how she kind of found her voice and has has pushed herself to speak out even at uncomfortable times. Uh, and so I got a lot out of her talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's fantastic. I remember she was on CMO Moves, too, and we called her talk, Fear is a Liar. And I loved that. It's been a tip for me and one that I've carried forward in a lot of ways because we do hold ourselves back because we're afraid of doing some things. So mm-hmm. you know what I like, too, is – the way that you were mentioning about the authentic relationships, going back to what Lisa was saying earlier, you know, in the past, there was just more time to connect with people, more time to create relationships, more time to really dig in and understand 
their stories. And now we're all in this move, 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 move state. I mean, how do you balance every day? Do you have any tips for the folks tuning in today on like how to balance a very exciting, very busy, very bustling newsroom with trying to connect on a deeper level? I think it's so important right now to be mindful about not being transactional. It's to your point, it's too easy to be transactional. It's just like, wham, bam, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, We can get this meeting done in five minutes. And uh, that's actually how I operate. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going back to your listening and I'm going back to getting it done. (laughs) Sorry. I'll I'll say even me. I mean, my my nature is to take time with people and be a listener. But in this role, I mean, just today, actually, I woke up this morning and saw that my schedule is 100 percent booked from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So I'm going to be breezing through those meetings, right? And so I've had to work to, you know, again, even though it's my nature to take time, the job doesn't always lend itself to that. And so what I've actually started doing is booking my own time in my calendar and actually creating time to respond to email that mm-hmm. I put on my books, you know, essentially <laughs> creating time for lunches that I haven't scheduled yet, but that I have it blocked out. And so it's something new that I'm trying. Actually, I'll follow up with me. I'll let you know if it's working. Okay, <laughs> it do you ever good. use that massage chair? Do you I, book time for that? I, I do. Well, I, don't, I haven't booked time for it, but I do use it. We have we have a like a what's it? it's called it's, the Zen Den. And it's always in use. And I walk by and I'm just like casually like, oh, I'm just chucking, going down the hallway for no reason and maybe ducking. And it's always in use. It is. It uh, is. People love it. But it has yeah, a really, really nice massage chair. So you can go in there and catch up on your emails while getting a massage. I don't How do you how else do you de-stress, Lisa? Uh, my dog got a dog, very cute one. So that's that's done a lot. For, you know, I walk him a couple times uh, a day, and yeah, that's been a nice distraction, especially trying to catch him before he chews my entire wardrobe. And he's he's on Instagram. Yes, hot, hot tip. He's Banjo from Alabama. Thank you. Yes, he's okay, got right more followers than I do, <laughs> like more than double. <laughs> What does um, Banjo from Alabama usually cover on his Instagram page? Oh, you know, the things he chews. His his motto is, I chew, therefore I am. So (laughs) it's really all about him chewing these days. He's he's still a young guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And a cutie, and a cutie. So, okay, so we were talking also about um, balancing the doing and then the relationships. And Wow. We talked about the number of issues you put out in print, but you also own all the events. How many events have you put out? Well, I own them in in terms of the content, and we've had 40 events this year. Wow. And I think we're going to have even more next year. Not all of them have programming, but a lot of them do. Um, a lot of them are starting to be multiple days full or full days. So it's it's been intense, but I have a great little team that I hope to grow. And we're very lucky, I mean, with to have you here oh, <laughs> and, and your contacts and your help and, and staff and, and the team because they all do deep dives, the reporters and editors to help us book and moderate their panels or firesides. So everybody's doing triple, quadruple duty. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just writing. And that having them help and having everyone help has made it possible. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we just couldn't get through. But uh, I'd say over the past year, we've really upped our game in terms of the caliber of speakers, the events overall with the, 
the operations and the production side. It's really a, a, an impressive business now. Yeah. And how do you get inspired about the kind of events you want to put on? Like, how do you choose? Because that's a lot. Oh, I do a lot of research, writing, uh, reading rather, and, um, you know, just I keep tabs on the pop culture, what's hot, listening to our, in our Slack channels. <laughs> and I also see what's going on out there at other events and what's been working, what's not. A lot of it's my gut. I just really have this idea that I visualize and I just get a sense of what would work as a combination. It's very much about storytelling and that's how I started anyway as a reporter and editor. So I look at events as stories, individual stories, and um, find the right storytellers at at the right moment Mm -hmm. um, to do that. Yeah. I'm going to come back to you and ask you about one event in particular, but... Before I do that, Steph, talking about stories, and you gave us a great example on a favorite moment with Swiss Beats. But when you think about what your team is covering every day and what they're really listening for, what are some of the, the trends that you see either came out in the last year or that are really going to be important for next year? Yeah, there are a few. Um, one is I, I personally am fascinated by customer experience and the customer journey. And I started my career as a consumer business reporter. I covered tourism and gaming for consumer-facing publications. And so when I report or when I edit, my mind is on, like, who's that end user? And one of my biggest pet peeves is bad customer service, I will say, too, (laughs) just personally. And so what I think is interesting about this new crop of brands, I think what the D2Cs have really brought back, in a way, is old-fashioned customer service through data and really thinking through every touch point with a customer. So Allbirds, for example, I did a fireside with their CMO this year at our Challenger Brands event. And to prep for it, I went down to their space in Soho. Yeah, it's a cool space. It's a really cool space. And there's so many thoughtful touches. They actually hired someone who I think he was an architectural engineer, something like that, um, who designed their seats to be at an angle to help you lean over and tie your shoe. Mm. Um, And they have mirrors all over the place. So you don't have that hassle of where you're like standing in line (laughs) with 20 people trying to get a look at how that, you know, shoe looks on your foot. Um, Just little touches, but that I really notice. And so I I think that that trend is going to continue to grow. And I'm going to be really curious to see how that plays out with the larger brands as well as they start to see themselves as challengers competing with these upstarts. Another is privacy. And actually, Lisa wrote about this for our 40th anniversary edition. But um, privacy is a huge story that our reporters have been following all year. We actually have a privacy task force on our team. They they cut across different verticals. But across the newsroom, we have a collection of reporters who are, are working on covering privacy and are actually working on a map of the United States showing how privacy laws are changing on a state-by-state basis. And this is something we we plan to add to over the months and years ahead, um, and especially with um, the California Privacy Act coming to fruition January 1st. So that's, that, that has been a big one this year, and I think it will be even bigger next year. Yeah, absolutely. And Lisa, I know, just given what Steph said, mm-hmm. Challenger Brands is obviously top of mind. Mm-hmm. So tell us just real quickly what that's about, but then I'm going to ask you something even more specific outside of Challenger Brands. Okay. Well, Challenger Brands is in its second year. We, we It's hard to believe it was just this year in February we did it, right after the Super Bowl. 
It was it was incredible. It was a two day event. We have at least thirty speakers, if not more. It's really challenger brands that are challenging the status quo. So some of them are DTC, e-commerce. Some of them are incumbent brands that have been around for a while, changed the game, and have to reinvent themselves. And others are more established legacy brands that have found a way back. Last year, we had IHOP, which went through a really cool campaign, changing the P to a B, and you know everybody was wondering what that B stood for, and it went viral. So we're bringing this back. It's exciting. We're in the midst of programming it now. We mm-hmm. hope to have much of it done later this week with a few surprises, and um, that will be March fourth, fifth, in New York again. We're gearing up for that. Yeah, that was actually the first. Well, actually, no, that was the second event I went to from Ad Week, but it was the first one as an Ad Weeker. Right. Because I went to the Brand Week before before I was part of Ad Week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll be deeply involved. Uh, yeah, but I, I remember you had Bethany Frankel there. That's right. We had Jen Say from Levi's. That's right. It was yeah. very cool. Yeah. And um, I read an article recently about the death of DTC if you don't have more than just DTC. So I'm going to be excited to hear more about how to raise the bar again. It's just, There's hundreds, if not thousands, of DTCs popping up everywhere, but if you can't differentiate, you're not going to make it. Right, and that's one reason why we didn't call the event DTC. Mm-hmm. We didn't brand it DTC. We branded it Challenger Brands for that reason, because yeah. DTC may be a flash in the pan. It may be sort of our dot-com bust at some point. Um, and it's it, you're right, it is going to take more than just DTC to get through. Yeah. So exciting. Okay, so I did say I was going to ask you another question, mm-hmm. Lisa, about a different event, something all three of us share a passion for. So when I first came on board with Adweek in January of this year, 2019, all three of us definitely shared a passion around women trailblazers. And in fact, Lisa, you've been leading that charge for many years at Adweek and now you're going to have year two of a flagship event called Women Trailblazers, but that's actually a build on something you've been doing for a while. Tell us what that's about. Well, we did Women Trailblazers Summit this year. Mm-hmm. So that was taking the name from the council, actually, you started, you founded, and I um, inherited, bringing together le- leading voices in marketing and, and branching it out to other industries as well. So we had Women in Media and Sports Summits, which have been highly successful, half-day programs. Women Trailblazers, we rebranded it, pretty much the same format, half-day, a mix of all different media uh, industries, including sports. Next year, though, we are going to break them apart so that there will be a Women Trailblazers event, and that will focus on all different aspects of women in business. And then we're going to have a sports marketing event later in the fall. And that will focus on sports marketing and media. And we will also have our most powerful women in sports franchise present as well. We'll be handing out the awards at that event in the evening. And that's a very exciting project. It's one of my favorites to do. It's focused on women in media and marketing and tech who are in the business of sports, not necessarily athletes, although we do put an athlete on the cover, and we may have someone very big. 
that I'm crossing my fingers mm-hmm. and knocking wood here that we get. So stay tuned for that. Oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Steph, you lead a very big team, a lot of women on your team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're obviously a huge supporter of women in, in their careers. What are some of your tips for success? Tips for success for for women for women. Um, let's see. I would say the biggest is to spot what you want to change and think through how you can actually make that change in a positive way. So I think it can be very easy as a woman um, to, I, I guess, to get discouraged, right? To look around that table and say, "Wow, I'm the only woman here." And just disengage, right? That's very, very easy to do. But from my experience, and I've learned the hard way, you know, um, is that, yeah, you really have to kind of push through that discomfort, push push through that sort of tendency to just want to hang back and really find ways to make suggestions that are not only going to help you, but actually help the company. And it can be hard to think through something positively, right, with, with something that feels discouraging, like how can I actually turn this into a positive? But that's something I think Lisa and I have really worked on together. We talk about this all the time, and we talk about how to encourage our staff in that way. Um, And, uh, yeah, Lisa, I don't know if you would add to that. Um, I would actually add to your point of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I've heard that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like only in the last couple of years have I really been able to put that into practice for myself. And it's really impacted my career in a positive way. You really have to push past the fear, past the challenges, and and just take a shot. You might it may or may not work, but at least you tried, and often it does work. Um, and in in just doing that, I've just seen a lot of uh, positive outcomes uh, for our company, for myself personally, um, and for others who have really taken a step forward. So I think that's really important. Awesome. Okay, so we are unfortunately almost at the end here. I have two last questions for you. So taking that great advice you just gave for women in any career, let's focus on media, as you two are both media masters. Anybody in the world who wants to get into this profession, what's a if you were looking at your younger self, what tip would you have given yourself coming into this early on? Early on, but now? Yes. <laughs> You first. <laughs> <Me> first. <laughs> okay. Um, mine's a two-part. But one, one is ask for what you want. And, and two is to never underestimate the power of networking. When I was younger, I very much had the mentality of like, I'm just going to keep my head down and work hard and everyone's going to notice the quality of my work. And that actually worked for probably the first maybe – several years of my career. And then I kind of hit this point where I was like, all right, you know, how do I break through to the next level? And I had to sort of humble myself and realize I need people. I need help. I need connections. Right. Um, And so, you know, if you want to be a journalist, if you want to work at a magazine, send the editor a note and say, can I take you to coffee? You know, that may for you feel uncomfortable, you know, to Lisa's <laughs> point, right? But there's no harm in asking. And I've actually had people send me that note and I'm actually, I'm happy to do it. I'm like, I, yeah. You're this a is, listener. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm like, yeah. I, Lisa would be like, when's this happening? How long yeah. do I need? <laughs> like, uh, you got two minutes. 
<laughs> Fire. <laughs> Fire away. Um, anyway, so and, and then I think that once you are in media, you know, once you've gained that foothold, asking for what you want each step of the way. Don't just assume that your manager is going to know that you want to step into leadership or that you want a raise. Don't expect someone to be thinking about you all the time, right? You've got to put it out there. Yeah, I love that. That's it. That's great advice, Lisa. I'm I'm dying to know now. What's your side of this? Um, I'd say it's it's the same as staff, but the flip side of both of those points. The first being, yes, network. But when you network, know how to spell the person's name that you're networking with <laughs> and the company. Adweek is spelled one word, lowercase w. But no, it's really important. And I've made that mistake in my career and sending the wrong cover letter to the wrong person because I was rushed. So take your time, really be mindful about what you want to get out of that conversation and not waste that person's time. And I guess the other piece of it is, yes, let people know what you want, but also put in the time so that when you ask, it's at a point when you deserve to get that what you want. A lot of people want to move very quickly into new positions before they're really ready. And sometimes editors are actually doing you a favor by saying, no, I think you need another few months before this happens or another year. Be patient. You'll get there and find some people to really trust and and believe in and they'll take you where you need to go. Awesome advice. Okay. So my very last question for you guys If you weren't doing what you're doing today, money and talent were no object, what would you do? Let's go with you first, Steph. I was going to say I'm going to make Lisa go first on this one. (laughs) I could go first. Um, I would definitely be traveling around the world going to every flea market I could find. Okay. Um, Yeah. That's all I'd be doing. Are you looking for something specific in the flea market? Uh, Just old oddities, antiques. Cool. Quirky things, yeah. Vintage. Wow. Do you have like a collection at home that we could look uh, at sometime? I do, but now that, well, that we have a, a, a son, so that, that collection had to stop and, you know, toys mm. had to be bought and now Xboxes and what have you. So, and and do- dog toys have to be bought now, so that's yeah. also taken over. But, yeah, I used to love collecting stuff, just mm. browsing. That's cool. It's my zen time. Yeah, I love it. We talked about this, and eventually, hopefully, you'll write... A book or something around how things have changed. And, oh, I've got I've yeah. got something like that. Maybe I'll bring it in this week to show you. I would love to see it. That'd be awesome. Okay, Steph, how about you? I would be a poet. Well, Why? <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm actually not surprised, but I, yeah. I am kind of. I don't. It's like I'm a mixed emotion over yeah. here. <laughs> you thought I was going to say therapist, but no, <laughs> a poet. Okay. Um, I mean, this is if money were no object. But I, I actually at 29, kind of off ramped, and I moved to. I, I quit a job as a managing editor of a magazine. I moved to New York with my husband. I took a poetry class and and was 100% hooked on it and actually spent a year writing a manuscript, got into uh, an MFA program and worked as the research assistant uh, to the editor of the Best American Poetry Anthology. Wow. And I still look, it was the best two years of my life. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't pay much. But truly, I love, you know, why I got into journalism is actually I love to write. I love the creative side of the business. 
Um, I love the performative side of poetry. There's a really amazing sort of scene here in New York of people sharing their work um, mm-hmm. at different you know spaces and bars and things like that. So yeah, that would that, that would be a bohemian. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll have to have you do something at the next you know holiday party where you stand up and get us all motivated. <laughs> I don't know, like if you and Lisa can collaborate on like a, a walk through time and you can create a, a poem around her awesome visuals. How about that? Uh, let's do it. All right. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you guys both for joining me here today. It's been so fun to do this. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so You're much, Nadine. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, it's so nice to we've you know we've been listening to your show and to be able to be a guest and uh, get the Nadine treatment. It's, it's been a it's pleasure. The, the Dean experience. I it think is. that should be the name of your next podcast. That's the experiential version of this podcast. The Nadine experience coming in twenty twenty. <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. Oh, gosh. I got a lot to do then. Okay. Very cool. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And um, it's been a pleasure working with you guys this year. How fun this has all been. And I can't wait for 2020. So thanks for for sharing all your cool ideas. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.